0: The WGA and SAG After Strikes took a lot away from us as far as content goes. But now that they're both over, they took away something else peace and quiet. Now that they're both over, lots of trailers and lots of rumors. It's kind of marvelous, isn't it? From the Vault through by 9 recording room, this is the Tweakwell Podcast. Well, what's up, everybody? It's Jake Alexander, the voice in the void, the lone wolf, your favorite host with a lisp. Welcome to another episode of the Twinkle Podcast and happy Saturday to you. This is starting to be like a regular thing. Maybe we ought to move the show to Saturday, right? And just do a uh, little news bits during the week until we have our reviews and our little talks on Saturday. How does that sound to you? I mean, to me, it actually sounds really good and, you know, it may actually come to fruition. It might work out uh, with scheduling and everything going on now, especially with us uh, trying to get on YouTube more often. Maybe that will be the thing, right? We do little things here and there during the week, and then we have the podcast uh, audio and on YouTube on Saturday. That sounds like a good idea. I'll I'll, I'll run that by Nikki Rev and see how we do it, but uh, I'm so happy to be behind the mic, back in the vault, uh, talking to you all. Uh, it's been a weird week. Like I said yesterday on the update it has been just a whole bunch of things going on that i had just so many other things to do my job moved from one place to another i was in the middle of that and like i said the vault is going through a remodel so i so not only will you hear me and you see me but it actually looks decent right i'm trying to get some decent lighting in here and some paint on the wall make it look nice for you when we are on youtube but um Besides that, it's it's just been a weird week overall. It's just a whole lot of things going on. But I am very happy to say that things are coming along. Things are moving forward. Um, I will debut the new, basically the new set uh, at some point. Uh, hopefully, maybe January. I'm going to give myself some time to get this uh, done. Uh, as good as I can possibly do it because i'm doing it all myself i'm not hiring nobody to help me <laughs> so uh hopefully it will be done by january and then you'll see me on YouTube pretty much at least twice a week and then that'll be fun it'll be it'd be nice to actually be on youtube on a regular basis um but today we are going to talk about loki that last episode and the series and we're going to talk about the marvels and uh in the last call obviously we're going to have our weekend watch list but i'm also going to touch on a film that's on Hulu that I had recommended before but i really believe that more people need to watch it now. It's 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 uniquely it's uniquely creepy, honestly. Seriously. And uh, we're gonna talk about that later on. But for right now, let's jump right into the news. <laughs> At the top of the news is the uh, lawsuit filed by singer Cassie, a uh, real full name Cassie Ventura. She has filed a lawsuit against Sean Diddy Combs and accusing him of rape and abuse. It is a. Man, just to read the uh, lawsuit itself, the actual paperwork, it comes with a trigger warning on the first of it, which is something on the front of it, which is something I have never seen. The complaint itself, as filed, as as it as it, as it is filed and reported by CNN and so many other outlets, it says that uh, Combs is accused of luring Miss Ventura into an ostentatious fast-paced and drug-fueled lifestyle and into a romantic relationship that includes abuse and rape at different points over over a 10-year span um i it honestly behind behind every uh, story we've ever heard about Cassie most of us who follow uh things that Diddy has done we've always heard things like this and we've never really had proof so apparently now we're going to see a lot of these um uh, stories that we've heard about before come to uh come to the light I mean I mean that era with like R. Kelly and so many other guys in in music there were always rumors, there were always stories, but I see that a lot of them are being told now and all of these monsters are going to get be taken down I don't know if anything that she is saying is uh, true, there is a countersuit from uh, Sean Diddy Combs, his lawyer saying that this is all just an an act of desperation and extortion and they have evidence of that as well so let's see how it plays out there is a lot that's going to come out about it, Uh, but you know, like I said, there have always been stories about it and the same type of stories that were about R. Kelly. We've heard stories like this in the background about Sean Diddy Combs. I mean I mean, just just me being the old type of uh, uh conspiracy theorist, think about it like this. Uh Jamie Foxx, just a Few months ago, a little bit over a year ago, he had that interview and he was talking about the type of things that Diddy liked to do when people ain't looking. And he was doing, uh, he was do, he's telling it in like a joking, uh, in a joking way. But as soon as he told that story, a few months later, he winds up sick and almost died. So who knows? Who knows? Let it play out. Let's see what happens. But as for me, I'm just going to stay out of it and just watch the court case from afar. So are you a fan of the Fantastic Four like I am? I am, and I am really looking forward to the Marvel movie when they actually do get around to making it. I'm also a fan of Pedro Pascal. Now, what do those two things have to do with each other? Well, Pedro Pascal is said to be at the top of the list for Marvel for for a person to play Reed Richards of the Fantastic Four, the, the man himself, Mr. Fantastic. Now, as far as acting goes, we all know Pedro Pascal can act. Now, the visual itself, I don't know if he looks enough like uh reed richards for me to believe it i thought john krasinski was perfect i i don't understand why going forward you don't just use him right just say that this is reed richards from our universe and just like a whole bunch of, like a, a whole bunch of other multiverse uh, verse versions it's him right so just go with john krasinski just in my opinion But if they go with Pedro Pascal, I don't have to worry about, can he act it? Um, The only two things I really worry about is how he looks. And Pedro Pascal has something of a slight accent. So let's hope he is able to cover that up and sound a little bit more... Um, American and less Latino because he does it, he really does and there's nothing wrong with that but Reed Richards is just straight white so <laughs> let's just hope he can cover up the accent and that way the movie itself will be a little bit more believable now they've said uh to play uh Sue Storm who winds up being Reed Richards uh wife in the comics Sue Richards um they've said it's Vanessa Kirby and she's English so let's hope she can cover up her accent now, I don't mind her playing it because she does uh, the way she looks for uh, Sue Storm will be actually really good but uh, who knows They nothing on uh, Johnny Storm or the thing uh, Ben Grimm going forward uh, but yeah those are the two names that have been eyed so far to play uh, Sue Storm and Reed Richards of the Fantastic Four. The two picks really don't bother me it's just the accents themselves and how Pedro Pascal kind of looks. Uh, he's definitely going to have to shave the mustache because Reed Richards is mostly clean shaven. Uh, at one point in the comics he does have a beard so maybe he can grow out a beard and uh and you know dyed black or whatever but we shall see uh i'm I'm, like i said i'm not worried about acting just more worried about the visuals now, personally, I am a huge fan of the Alien franchise. That's the one with uh, Sigourney Weaver playing Eleanor Ripley as she fights uh, the Xenomorphs, the Acid Acid for Blood Alien. I love that franchise. To me, it is, as far as franchises go, it is either number one or number two on my list. It kind of goes back and forth depending on what we're talking about uh, sometimes. But um, I am in love with the series. I've always loved every single movie ever since the first one. Uh, but the the second one, Aliens in 1986, is probably my favorite of all of them. Um, so many ones Lighter, so many good characters. Uh, uh, but it, I'm happy to know that now they are going to do a full on 4K uh, remaster, not just of the video, but of the audio, and they're going to release that as physical media. I, now, I've said before anything physical media. You need to you need to grab it up as fast as you can because you don't want everything to be digital you want physical media for those times when like whatever the power goes out or something like that you want physical media so you can play it yourself uh on like a uh, like a a standalone dvd player or on, on a laptop so you can entertain yourself plus you don't want everything to be digital because they can just take digital back they can even zap it off of your laptop uh from long distance if they found out that you haven't they don't want you to have it i don't want everything uh digital you want physical media of any sort not just movies and uh, and and music but uh physical media of every every kind that you could possibly think of but the fact that they're remastering it i'm i'm happy it's going to i want to see this remastered now, if you've never seen aliens Where have you been? Have you been living under a rocket? It's literally the, the honestly, it's the best sequel to a hit movie that they've ever, that has ever been made. Alien itself was a phenomenal hit and then Aliens, the second one in the franchise stepped it up more. And to me, it is the best sequel to a hit movie that's ever been made, like I said. So I'm happy to know that they're doing a, a full on remaster and when it comes out, I will definitely be getting it. If you are a fan of the Harley Quinn series on HBO Max, where it's not HBO Max anymore, it's Max, just Max, but whatever. If you are a fan of that show where well, you can rest easy, it will be back for season five. Now, despite its massive success, it is one of the shows that was on the chopping block uh, from David Zaslav and company for some odd reason. He just seems to hate all the fun stuff. <laughs> I have no idea why. He doesn't. I don't think he likes actually like superhero stuff. I think he wants to do just regular drama and you know movies like that he doesn't want anything he has to do with superheroes especially animated things he doesn't like them whatsoever he's actually said that outright so like I said before David Zaslav got to go at some point please get rid of this man before he destroys everything we love Uh, but it will be back for season 5 it is a hilarious show if you've never watched it it is very adult it is not for kids if you are going to watch it don't have the kids around when I say it, it is not for kids it is not for kids at all I don't care if it's animated I don't care if it's Harley Quinn and Batman and all them It is super adult So if you've never seen it, take some time this weekend Watch it a little bit I'm pretty sure you'll just laugh until your ribs hurt A new behind the scenes set photo from Tom Hardy on Instagram shows us that Venom 3 has been uh, back into production so they are sticking to the November 8th, 2024 release they started shooting back in June but of course the SAG-AFTRA and the WGA strikes happened and it slowed down production but now they are back. Uh, Tom Hardy looks to be having fun (laughs) in the picture he's holding a beer and uh, Kelly Marcel, one of the uh, the production uh, team is standing next to him and he's just smiling into the camera wearing a Golden State Warriors t-shirt over uh, um, under another flannel shirt and he looks like he's in character as best as he can it's a funny little picture but uh, the fact that they are back into uh, production is good um, no word on what the uh, plot line of the movie is last time we saw Venom he was staring into a camera looking at Spider-Man licking the window and saying that I'm licking the glass and saying that guy so who knows where the story is going to take us but uh, we shall find out come November 8th next year so rapper actor music mogul so many different names you can uh, you can attribute to him Snoop Dogg has gone on social media on pretty much every social media uh, website you can possibly think of that he's attached to and put up a post saying that he's giving up smoking now the post itself says quote after much consideration and conversation with my family I've decided to give up smoke Please respect my privacy at this time. Now, specifically, he says he's giving up smoking. That doesn't mean he do, he can't enjoy uh, marijuana or anything with THC based based because we all know that edibles are a thing out there. So but giving up smoking, that's good. That's good. Anybody who's giving up smoking, I know how hard it is to quit. I quit some time ago. And it's it's still a bit of a struggle Sometimes I do want to go have a cigarette But you know it's good I'm glad he's giving up smoking he's, he's getting older You don't need to be smoking every day of your life All the way up until the good lord calls you home So that's good A whole lot of people are, are looking at it as like Oh lordy Snoop is uh, on, on that thing again But you know he where he, he talks about something serious But he, he makes it as a joke But I'm glad the OG has given up smoking And like I said anybody who's given up smoking Just like I did Good idea at 68 years old it seems like Denzel Washington is not slowing down so he has two roles coming up that are just so fantastic that there's no way you can miss him doing it so in the new gladiator 2 movie Ridley Scott has released information the director Ridley Scott has released information saying Denzel's Wa- Denzel Washington's character is a former gladiator who uh, was just so successful in the uh, gladiatorial arenas that he was uh, able to retire and become a businessman in Rome and to live out a wealthy life and he's going to uh, somehow figure into the central plot of that movie but he's also been tapped to play Hannibal uh the carthaginian uh a general who rode atop elephants came over the alps and attacked rome uh to some success i don't care what anybody says even at 68 going on 70 years old denzel washington is still is still just kicking hard in the movie industry and pretty much anything in it that he does i'm i, I want to go see so shout out to him i'm so glad he's still doing movies so let's end today's news segment talking about the re, uh, the release schedule for movies going forward. Now, all of the big movies obviously have moved from their uh, original mo- uh, release dates because of the SAG-AFTRA and WGA strikes. But uh, so many movies have moved, not just a few weeks or a few months. They've moved out of 2024 into 2025. And that schedule is immense. Even at the beginning of the WGA strike, I said there are going to be so many movies because writers are out. They won't be doing rewrites and then the SAG after strike happened. I said, well, actors aren't even going to be able to shoot movies. So there are going to be so many movies that move not just a month or two down the line. I'm talking about years down the line. That list is so expensive. It is insane. Um, Coming up this this month itself, the 22nd, we have Napoleon, uh, which is probably the only movie I actually want to see going forward in November. Everything else is just... That, I mean it's not bad, just not in my wheelhouse. Uh Godzilla Minus One is uh December first. That's still on its original release date, thank thank thankfully. December 8th, we'll have the boy and the heron, which is uh the anime from Studio Ghibli. It's supposed to be um uh the director's last film, but apparently maybe it maybe it won't be. It, it looks like it's going to be more films after that. And December 15th, it'll be Wonka. Now, that's pretty much it for the year for me it's going to be a handful of other movies that other people want to see and i'm not hating on folks going to see them but for me that's pretty much it for the year everything else marvel wise and dc wise you have almost nothing next year um as far as marvel the only movies you're really going to have it will be um deadpool obviously you'll also have madam web uh craven and there's one more that I'm, i'm losing track of uh but either way those it's it's Technically, there's only one MCU movie, and that's Deadpool. The other ones are actually all Sony, uh, Sony Spider-Verse movies. So it's going to be a very quiet, very slow uh, 2024 as far as superhero movies come. And that's okay. Uh, we Everybody needs, everybody's been talking about superhero fatigue. This is the way, in, this is the way to combat it. You don't release a lot of films, one maybe at the beginning of the year, one in the middle, one at the end. Uh, they don't all have to connect. Uh, the only TV show we're going to get this year as far as the MCU you is echo and then we won't have anything until uh no i'm sorry echo and what if actually in december and um the the funny thing about what if is that it's going to be one episode per day going all the way up until the end of the year starting on the 22nd that is the report so it's nine episodes the first will be the 22nd the last one will be the 30th or the 31st i forgot um but um that that's good that's going to be a very good show if you haven't seen uh, marvel's what if watch those episodes they are a lot of fun um but it's going to be very quiet for marvel which is good as um kevin feige has said that they are going to retool now a new initiative that he has with all of the tv shows and the movies is that each show and each film will have its own team right own writers own showrunner. um they will be given instructions that hey it has to connect in this way shape or form but kevin feige will be more hands off excuse me going forward which is good you don't want kevin feige stretching himself too far and too thin uh that just makes everything uh you know laggy and things fall behind you get exactly what you've been getting lately um like i said we're going to talk about the marvels and why it's actually a good movie but uh, I'll, i'll explain later um but yeah you don't want kevin feige with his hands in the pot for everything you just want to leave the directors and the writers to their own devices and let them do their thing when they are left um to their own devices and but just giving broad instructions on making sure that everything connects you get basically the first two or three phases up to end game so uh i'm pretty sure everybody is happy about that except for a handful of us who understand that yeah it's going to be real quiet as far as big budget action films go so you're gonna have to deal with drama and comedy all of 2024 um but that's also good for marvel's tv shows because he said that a lot of the tv shows will be more street based so things like punisher and moon knight and even spider-man are all street level heroes so we're going to see a lot more of them so i'm crossing my fingers for those tv shows that a lot of them um a lot of the netflix series most of those people will be back we know that most of them have been rehired and have been rumored to come back um but there's no word outside of the punisher and daredevil uh if any of the other actors will come back to their roles like i said before and i've said many times netflix the netflix marvel shows that whole uh universe that they built all of those people every last one of them need to come back except for finn jones playing uh uh playing iron fist i don't want him coming back you can just Get rid of him and get somebody else. He's literally the only person out of all of them I don't want. Uh, but that's all the news for now. Don't forget to check Instagram for all of the other news that we don't talk about here. And, and believe, believe me, it is daily news that I post up on there. Um, we'll take a break when we come back. Let's talk about the Marvels. Breed Larson, Teona Paris, Iman Vellani and Zawe Ashton. Give them the lion's share of credit for the Marvels. Truly, as bare bones as that script was, these four ladies still managed to deliver performances that anchored that film and presented it in a much better light than even I was expecting. It's amazing how much fun the Marvels was. It's amazing considering just how many questions the film left me with once the credits started rolling. And it's further amazing just how few answers I got. But still... The movie was fun. Credit that, in my opinion, to the chemistry of the lead trio and the coolly genocidal villain, Darbin. See, the last few MCU films and TV shows have missed out on the fun factor in lieu of driving the overarching narrative forward. But here, director Nia DaCosta figures out a way to do both. The Marvels, surprisingly, centers its story on the villain, Darbin played by Zawe Ashton. Her relentless pursuit of saving the Kree homeworld, Hala, has led her to chase down a pair of quantum bands. With those, she'll be able to steal resources from the former Kree colonies liberated by Captain Marvel, thus saving her planet and getting a measure of revenge against the people that initiated Hala's downfall. And credit Miss Ashton for playing Darbin in a way that makes you believe in the villain's actions. She's not evil to begin with. She's a victim of circumstance, much like Zod was in Man of Steel. With very few options, she decides to do the one thing that more than likely, had there been another way, she would not have done, but she decided to turn to doing things in order to save her planet, to save her people. It's her job. The film actually begins with Darbin finding one of those quantum bands and the other being the bangle that Ms. Marvel has in her possession, passed down to Kamala by her grandmother. In classic what if storytelling, Kamala Khan, Carol Danvers, and Monica Rambo, who is now working on the Shield Space Station Saber along with Nick Fury, they become cosmically interlinked as their powers begin swapping with each other as they use them. A couple of failed missions and a very clever training montage later, all three ladies are ready to take on the replacement for Ronan the accuser. They get the upper hand temporarily, and predictably, Darbin is able to capture Kamala and force them to give her the second quantum band. With it in hand, she attempts to steal Earth's sun to replace Hollis, But she's unable to control the power with both bands, and she disintegrates herself. With her gone, our heroes close the last space-time rift, but at the cost of Monica being trapped in a different universe on the other side of it. Carol goes off to Holland, and uses her immense power to reignite the Kree sun, and in a mid credit scene, Monica awakes in the infirmary. Now, that infirmary belongs to the X-Men, and her doctor is none other than the Blue Mutant Beast, who is voiced by Kelsey Grammer. We also see Maria Rambo, played by Lashana Lynch. She's returned, but in this universe, she is not Monica's mother. She is Binary, the cosmic hero with the power of stars. Now, like I said, the film piles in all the fun it can get in its MCU record short 1 hour 45 minutes. It's time well spent, too, as the narrative is easy to follow and does the job of telling the standalone story and pushing the multiverse saga arc along. But there's drawback to that timing too. With so little of a runtime, character development is stunted with Darbin drawing the shortest straw of them all. To me, if you would have added on 15 minutes and fleshed out her backstory and gave her true motivation outside of revenge, well, she becomes a bit more complete. Considering that the comic versions of Darbin is only in two, maybe three issues total. We kind of needed that. Even if it was just for us to have more disdain or contempt for the character. We also miss out on the development of Monica Rambo. To be one third of the heroes three, the only character that she's attached to is a deep hurt that she has over Carol being absent for so long in her life. Like a child missing her second parent after a divorce. Perhaps down the line, we'll get more. The narrative, too, took a hit, unfortunately. Although enjoyable, there's more than a few questions that are left unanswered. Like, what happened to Atlantina, where Darbin was stealing their water? Once you see the film, you'll see what I mean. Even with its shortcomings, the Marvel is still a vibrant and pithy MCU film. To its discredit, most folks won't even see it. Superhero fatigue has set in, and a lot of moviegoers just... Don't want to see female leads in films or superhero films as much anymore. It's a shame. They're going to miss a fun space ride. The Marvels is playing in theaters as we speak. I'm going to take a break. And when we return, we will talk about the gloriousness of Loki. I don't think it's any secret how much I love the Loki series. Season one was a triumph and season two is just perfection. And I don't say that lightly. If you want comic book references, Loki has it. Easter eggs from shows and movies with similar themes. You got it. Spectacular writing. Yep. Present. Glorious action. Yeah, that's here too. And not just from Tom Hiddleston either. Marvel deserves all the praise for Loki, especially the writers, actors, cinematographers, special effects artists, the whole crew. My only problem with Loki is that it ended and we have most likely seen the last of Hiddleston as Loki and the rest of the TVA crew. Episode 6 saw Loki controlling his time slipping and constantly going back in time to stop the temporal loom from exploding. He even goes the length of slipping back centuries to learn every ounce of science he could to build the device that would save the loom. Unable to control an infinitely expanding multiverse, Loki takes the extraordinary step of going back to stop Sylvie from killing he who remains and saving the sacred timeline. In some of the best dialogue the MCU has had thus far, we find out that we're another proverbial Ouroboros loop and Loki rewinds to stop Sylvie over and over and over, but to no avail. We also learn that the loom exploding is a failsafe, so he who remains truly does remain on the throne at the end of time. But we are treated to a beautifully taught sequence of events where Loki refuses to be a pawn any longer. He uses his magic to destroy the loom, then ventures out into the temporal radiation to grab at the dying branches and revive them, holding all time literally in his hands. Loki ascends to the throne that has eluded him for so long as the new god of stories and revives every branch of time free to carry on unabated as branches of the Norse world tree, Yggdrasil. Now, the TVA does continue on. They have a new mission, hunt down variants of He Who Remains. Now, as far as Easter eggs go, everything in the Loki series is a lead up to Secret Wars, the MCU film and the comic book storyline from 2015. Now, if you want my honest opinion, I can't sit here and give you Easter eggs out of the show. Honestly, I, I implore you, read the comic book story and watch Loki season one and two, and you will understand why I love the series so much. Tom Hiddleston and every single person acting with, in their character inside of the TVA, they're almost lifted directly off of the page in one way or another and presented to us in the show. It's beautifully written, beautifully acted. The special effects are top notch. Everything great about the MCU is in the Loki series. And everything bad about it is in the Loki series as well. The one thing, truly, truly, the one thing that bothers me so much about the Loki series is that it opened the doors to so many other things that I know will never come to fruition. And that's kind of sad with so much going on with the MCU things, not turning out the way they should so much backlash against Uh, movies and TV shows because of superhero fatigue, whether it's real or not. There are still stories that can be told that I know from being a comic book nerd myself that so many people will just love to see, love to know about. But unfortunately, I believe that Marvel has done itself a disservice and gone too long without trying to write the ship. Now, like I said in the news, there is a new plan in in play and I believe that it will write the ship, so to speak. And people will become fans of the MCU again. But only time will tell. And we can wait and see. For now, read the comic book stories. Read the Secret Wars uh, storyline from 2015. And also read Loki, Agent of Asgard, which is a tie-in series that started right after that storyline ended. Now, the Loki, Agent of Asgard series is 17, 18 issues, something like that. And the Secret Wars series is a bit shorter. If I'm not mistaken, it was 12. I can't remember. But I promise you, read them. You will love to read them. And if you, after you read them, if you go back and watch the Loki series, you will appreciate it a hell of a lot more than you probably already do. I'll take a break. When we come back, be time for the last call. Mm-hmm. One thing that bothers me about other review sites and reviewers in general is the true lack of appreciation for originality. Look at the film No One Will Save You on Hulu. On the surface, it's your typical horror film. But once you dig into it, you realize that it's much more. Caitlin Deaver stars as Brynn, a young woman seemingly exiled to a lonely existence in her own community. There are more than a few hints that all is not right with Brynn and it's not until the end of the film that we found out why. Without spoiling the end, we figure out that Brynn is an outcast due to her own actions. And in that, the story begins to take a darker and creepier turn. In her solitude, Brynn must battle an alien invasion to save her town, her home, and herself. Think part invasion of the body snatchers and part war to worlds. Now, any more than that, and I'll spoil the film for you, and I don't want to do that. Now, what makes No One Will Save You so unique is this approach to how the narrative is played out. Firstly, there's little to no dialogue, not just in a few scenes, but the entire film. It's completely up to Caitlin Deaver to emote her way through her feelings and draw us in, and she does that wonderfully. Her character is meant to seem lonely as the director explores things like grief and loss and Trauma and a dissociative mental state. And we get all of that with almost no talking whatsoever, a feat I've never seen before. It all feels like an 824 film, but presented in the most mainstream, blockbusterish type of way. Films like this don't come along very often, if ever. What seems like a straight up horror flick is more a sci fi thriller than anything else, but it has a lot of drama and it's quirky enough to defy normal convention. If there was ever a Hulu original for you to try out, this is the one. We'll be right back with the last call. Mm So that's it, and that's all. It's time for the last call. I want to thank each and every single one of you for tuning in this week. I uh, say that all the time. I don't care if it's 1, five, ten, a 100, or a 1,000 of you. I truly appreciate every single one of you that decide to tune in to this pokey little podcast. Again, I apologize for not being here on Friday and uh, you joining me on Saturday, and I truly appreciate you sticking around for that. Hey, it's time for our weekend watch list. Now, it's going to be kind of long, but there's a reason for that next week we won't have a show next week is thanksgiving i need you to hang out with your family or your friends or whatever just take some time to relax and be thankful for all the things we do have Now under our film picks we have A Haunting in Venice. I talked about this when it debuted back in October. It's a fun little murder mystery mixed with a psychological thriller. Great cast. It's over on Hulu. Great movie. You need to watch it. Hunger Games, The Ballad of Songbirds and Snakes. It's in theaters. That debuted this weekend. I might have to go uh, buy the book first uh, and then read it before I go see the film. Uh, our animation pick I'm gonna keep up with Invincible but don't forget Scott Pilgrim takes off debuts on Netflix so those are our two animation pick our series pick a murder at the end of the world also on Hulu seems very similar to a haunting in venice it's more of a gen Z type of story with a tech savvy lead and an amateur murder uh, mystery uh, think like nancy drew for the younger generation sounds pretty good um and as far as our nostalgia binge pick whatever you want me i am going to watch a whole bunch of different uh holiday films starting this week going all the way through the new year it is what it is so it's time to go don't forget if you're feeling lonely if you're feeling like you need somebody to talk to you're never alone pick up the phone Die or text 988 there's somebody that is always there to listen and to talk to you and never forget that you're not alone so make sure that you take care of yourself over the next week and have some fun eat all the food that you could possibly eat and just enjoy yourself so for my producer nikki Rare, we will end this the same way we always do god bless i love you and peace see you soon